<sighs> I just want to open up in prayer, and we're gonna, I want to show a little video uh, memorial. Just uh, to thank all the. If, if you're a uh, former military, would you just stand for a moment, please? I know a lot of people are out today, but if you just stand, if you've been in the military. Thank you. Thank you for all you do and all you've done. And, and uh, um, words can't describe what, <laughs> where this country would be without our military. Uh, this is a short video of, uh, of Memorial Service. I want to run that. It's about two minutes, and then we'll get started. Have you got that ready to go, John? Good talk. I love that picture. No, that's not it, John. picture with Jesus with about totally seven pictures, and he always got little children. That lot taking the place of a picture of the Lord's Prayer. If walls, it's got to be something I really like. Good talk. I love that picture. They'd say a You're giving away my sermon there. two-minute one. There you go. Got pictures of Some it? Sometime back I received in the name of our country the bodies of... received in the name of our country the bodies of four Marines who had died while on active duty. I said then that there is a special sadness that accompanies the death of a serviceman, for we're never quite good enough to them. Not really, we can't be, because what they gave us is beyond our powers to repay. And so when a serviceman dies, it's a tear in the fabric, a break in the hole, and all we can do is remember. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. 
We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. a message together it's called insurmountable and getting in the 300 but insurmountable was a word that I got uh, uh, earlier in the week and I'm just trying to figure out where God wanted to go with this and uh, it come to my attention that there's a lot of things in life that, that we seem to be the underdog in that we that just is, is it just kind of just comes upon us and it just overwhelms us and overpowers us and uh it just seems insurmountable. And then when you're in the hospital and you're dealing with uh, different situations, we got a lady, Amber uh, Tierman's in the hospital right now, and, and I was up visiting her last night, and uh, she deals with pancreatitis, and, and it, it's that pain and those things, this seems insurmountable to people. And, uh, and I want to explain to her that, that sometimes God will take these things away from us, but he will definitely give us a different attitude towards those things. Sometimes we're, we're going to live with these things, but it's how we look at them is maybe more important than anything else. And if we can look at them through the, through the, through the eyes of Christ, through the, through the words of truth, then we can face these insurmountable things in our lives, face them head on with God, and, and life gets a lot better. And, and when we let those things overwhelm us, then that's when we step back and we just feel like there's no hope. There's, there's, the God can't help me or he won't help me or something like that. And then that is completely the worst place you can go. You're, you're into Satan's playbook and that's not where you need to be. So insurmountable, we'll talk about that. And it's talking about, a, I've got a, a challenge for you, a habit. It takes 21 days to form a habit. At the end of the sermon, I've got a challenge for you in the church and for anybody who wants to, to, to do this challenge that will help you reset Maybe your thought patterns reset some things in your life, uh, and it will do it if you'll if you allow God to do that. He will do it. Let's open in prayer, dear Heavenly Father. As we come before you, Father, this morning we we uh, praise you and honor you for this country, Father, that you had put in place, that you put people here and uh, the right the pilgrims and and all the ones that you brought here, Father. That this country was founded uh, through you and for you. And, Father, we stand as a nation uh, so far, Lord, because uh, of you and only you. And, then, Father, we, we thank you, Father. And, Lord, we do pray for this country and this nation. And we ask to protect our soldiers and our military. And, Father, that you would, uh, would bless them with understanding and truth. And, and they would always stand for you. Lord, as this nation wants to turn to a secular nation, we ask you that, that as, as Christians and, and, Father, as we see us being murdered throughout this world that sometimes it just seems like it's too far gone and it's insurmountable but it's not we're just looking at the the problem and not the solution so lord i ask you to bless us today with the message in jesus name we pray amen 
insurmountable. I'll just start here with one thing that's insurmountable for, for uh, uh, Brad and the kids, uh, Braden and Luke and, and uh, Bailey, I go to St. Peter's School over there, and, and Braden uh, graduated the eighth grade, amen? Everybody says, well, you're supposed to. Well, I know. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a diff- it's a highlight in their life. They're no longer uh, in, in school, in middle school or, or junior high. They're going to, off to high school. And we was at a, a, a graduation thing they had there at St. Peter's the other night, and uh, they were passing out awards to a few of the kids, and, and uh, they, they talked about this, this award they were going to pass out. And it was one of, a, a, a person that stood out, that stood out in his faith, that stood out and uh, let people know who he belonged to. And uh, uh, when they read this out, they come up with the name of Braden Taylor. So you think that, you know, sometimes you think your kids aren't, uh, aren't getting it or there's so many things going on in their lives that can distract them. But yet if you understand God, then you've got to let God have them. Amen? Amen. And sometimes you do. I wasn't shocked by this because I watch Braden. I've seen him. I watch him. And he doesn't let much bother him. Uh, but I was very pleased by this. This is the best award he could get. So it says here, uh, Christian Leadership Award presented to Braden Taylor, 2017. Way to go, Braden. I brag on my grandson. All right. I don't know how many of you know a, a lot about Gideon. And it's, uh, I call this the insurmountable Gideon the 300. And I will give you a little rundown here before we get started. I've got to come back down here because my screen's not working again. But Gideon, uh, Gideon was just, a, just a, hey man, he was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't a military guy. He was just a farmer. You know, he was just us. He was just, you know, could have been somebody from Indiana. Just a farmer. He, he didn't, uh, you know, he wasn't out trying to cause trouble. He wasn't out trying to do a, rev- a revolution or anything like that. And this is a time when Israel had decided not to follow God. They were going back to the, to the, little, to the little G's, to Baal and things like that. And, um, and they were being tormented by different tribes, the Mennonites and the Amorites and all the Itesites. They were coming in and destroying their, their crops. And we'll talk about this more in a little bit. And then God visited, actually the angel of the Lord, which is always Jesus Christ, visited this young man named Gideon. And uh, God took what would be insurmountable and made it a one huge God story. And so we're still paying attention to these things today. And I think what we want to learn from this sermon today is that no matter what this world looks like, God's still in control. And just because it looks insurmountable, it looks like you can't accomplish anything, you can. You just can't quit. Amen? Amen. First principle for you today, go ahead, please, John. Is getting the 300 were not prepared to be soldiers, yet overcame an insurmountable odds to defeat 135 enemy soldiers. How does 300 soldiers defeat 135,000? That's uh, God. Yeah. So... This is, this is an amazing, I'm not going to be able to go through the whole story because it would take several sermons. So we're just going to highlight things we're thinking about. We're just concentrating on this insurmountable thing and this reset of our lives. But it, it would be, the amazing part about this is that, is that uh, they're not, so, Israel's not, they don't have a king right now. They, they, this is before the kings. They're kind of just living life. They're not really, they're not structured at all. 
just kind of a hodgepodge of things going on with the tribes, and it's just a mess. But yet, God listens to your prayers. And sometimes that's the way our lives get. It looks like it's just a mess. You know, I was reading, when was this, a day or two ago, about the Christians over in Egypt uh, where the, the, the Muslims dressed up as, uh, as military and the ISIS, they came on the, uh, the buses and they had killed, what, 29 Christians? 10 of them children? Yeah, yeah and, and several of them wounded. I mean, this is just over the, over the water. This is just, and the only thing that's separating that from happening here is the water. It's just they can't get here yet. And so uh, we can look at that and say, well, that, there are brothers and sisters that are being destroyed. And we can look at it and say, this is just, it's just insurmountable what's going on. And it really is what's going on in the world because Satan knows his time is coming to an end. But we can go back to God's word and get courage and get encouraged and courage and, and just filled up to know that we have a God that knows that this world looks insurmountable. But... But that big three-letter word, but, but God. Go ahead, please. In Judges 7, 16, 8, and 10, it's going to show us what I just talked to you about. Then they divided the 300. See, God, uh, what he did was he, he had Gideon go and, and, and start this, going to start, going to start this battle with 135,000 men. And he brings out 32,000 to begin with. And God looks down on Gideon, and Gideon, first of all, Gideon, he, 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 God had to answer some, some questions for Gideon to even start to do these things. And, and he's looking down, and, and he says, hey, 32,000 is too many. And Gideon, 32,000 is too many. So they got it narrowed down to 22,000, and that was too many. So then it came down to 300. And if you want to learn how these things happen, you're going to have to go home and read Judges chapter 6 through about 6, 7, and 8, and you'll learn these stories. But... Then it got down to 300 men. Now, how does 300 men, why, first of all, why would 300 men go up against 135,000 men? Now, that's just the big God thing, right? That's like this few more people we got here, maybe 100 some more people we got here going down to uh, uh, Lucas Oil Field, and that holds, what, about 85,000 people? So it doesn't even hold near what that, and we get down there, we're like this little bitty corner of nothing, and everybody else sitting around, and more than that are outside ready to come in to reinforce them, and we're going to do battle with them. That's insane. But yet, that's my God. That's my God, and he, he wants to do battle, not just with people, but with all sorts of things in your lives. See, we serve this huge, big God. But for whatever reason, our minds don't want to believe that. We want to keep believing in the things that, that want to destroy us and the, instead of the God that wants to repair everything. So as we get into this sermon, it's a part about resetting our thoughts, our, our, our way we think about God, the way we think about these things. And we wouldn't think our lives and other things around it are so insurmountable. We would understand God just wanting to work in our lives. He's just wanting to work in our lives. And he wants to show you these God stories that he has for us. You know, I love God stories, and I've got one I'm going to share with you in a minute here up on that screen. But God stories are a powerful thing. So it says there, then they divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand and with empty pitchers. All right, they had a trumpet and a pitcher. They're blowing and they're shaking. It's not, a, it's not military things. It's something different. Strange, isn't it? Sometimes our God solves our problems with strange situations, isn't it? When he healed me, it was a strange situation. And when he asked me to start this church, it was insurmountable. 
But he does things in different ways than the world. And that's why I love my God so much. Is he always surprises me with the way he wants to do things. It's an amazing, he's an amazing God if you allow him to work in your lives. In verse 17, and he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. In verse 18, it says, when I blow the trumpet and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpet on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord of Gideon. So night... In 19, so Gideon and the hundred men were with him, came to the outpost of the camp and beginning to the middle of the watch, just as they had posted it to watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers in their hands. I don't need that next verse. Go ahead, John. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. John, your, your place is I don't need to be. I don't know where you're at there. I don't even want to, yeah, but I'm not even wanting to be there. We've got everything kind of haywire today. <laughs> Sorry, people. If I preach all that, we'll be here for two days. I want to be in, um, I'll tell you, well, let's just go on to the next one, okay? When the odds look to, let's go on down there. I gave you the information you needed. It's 300 against 135,000. When the odds look insurmountable, cry out to the Lord. You just may be about to witness the glory of God and gain the biggest God story of your life. When the odds seem completely against you, that's your, that's your choice. That's that, that's what comes to that moment in your life, you have to make the choice. That's right there that God says, okay, I'm taking it right here to the edge. Where are you going next? Are you going to turn to me? Are you going to run off? You going to whatever you right there. That's when, and that could be anything in your life. It could be your marriage, your finances, whatever it is. We have these insurmountable things with, especially with finances. People struggle with your finances. You know, when I was young with young people, trust me, we struggled. I had a business and we struggled. And sometimes the days would be great, but most times the days were not great. And you know why they weren't great? It was most of the time because of my fault. I wasn't doing the things I should have been doing. It was mostly my fault. I can't really blame it on anything else. It was my fault. See, I, I needed to learn what God wanted me to do. And I tell you, when I, when I learned, I just turned everything over to God. You know what? I quit struggling. I, I just quit struggling with my finances. I didn't have to worry about it anymore. You know, and I've been married to Vicki for almost 42 years. You know, it's insurmountable that we even made it 42 years. I mean, we were just babies when we got married, 17 and 20. That's, you know, I could hear the people, the whispers in the background. They'll never make it. They'll never make it. You know, she was pregnant. 17, I got no education. They'll never make it. I just lay the odds out right now. They'll never make it. You're right. If it wasn't for God, we might have never made it. In those, younger, in those early years when we wouldn't follow God, it was rough. It was tough. But when we turned everything over to God, everything changed. Amen. He did. It just, that's the way he works. Now, do you come up with insurmountable things? Yeah, we do all the time. But our attitude towards that is completely different now. It's completely different. That's, if the Christians could, could get past that understanding that your attitude must change towards God and these things that want to have destruction of our lives. Gideon knew that. 
He trusted God. He followed God. Now, these wonderful lessons in, in God's Word, especially in the Old Testament, if you don't believe in God's Word, if you don't believe in every word of this, then you're just, you're just going to pick and choose what you want to believe, and these things are going to be hard for you to follow. They'll be hard for you to understand. Can that really happen in my life? Does God still really work that way? Yeah, He does. He, he absolutely does. Sometimes it's not wars and battles, although it can be that, but it's a lot of ways He works that way. The person with cancer that's dying on their bed I'll tell you what, that's insurmountable. And when God heals them, that's more important than anything that person's life. God works those ways. It's your attitude towards God. When the odds look insurmountable, cry out to the Lord. You may just be about to witness the glory of God and gain the biggest God story of your life. Go ahead, John. This is the beginning of this. We're going to start it out here. And the hand of Midian, which is evil people, prevailed against Israel because the Mennonites, the children of Israel, made, them, made for themselves the dens, and the, cave, dens, the caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, the Mennonites would come up, also the Amorites, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy their produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Mennonites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. You, you, you see that insurmountable odds? They get up, they don't have a king, they don't have this, they're not following God. One of the first things that God asked Gideon to do after he gave him a sign, he said, go tear down the tower, go tear down the altars of Baal, the secularism, the, the legalism. Go tear, go tear that stuff down. And he did it. And it almost cost him his life. The next day the town rose up First thing they notice is all their little gods are being taken out and destroyed, and they want to know who's going to do it. They're going to kill them. And Gideon's dad steps in the way and intervenes, and God starts to take over. That started where God was going to take Gideon. So people had to know that Gideon was with God, and God was with Gideon. Or how else would 32,000 people come up to fight? They wouldn't. They had to know that Gideon had been talking with God. And so God oftentimes asks us to do some very bold things in our life. And then at that point, you're either going to be obedient or you won't be obedient. But if you'll be obedient, you'll start to see the God stories God wants to give you. You'll start to recognize where God's taking you. See, most of us just don't get past that because we don't want to go there because that's going to be a rough thing to do, to go tear down all your neighbor's stuff because they're not following the Lord. You know, if you go into a church and you see they have false gods everywhere, can you walk up there and say, wait a minute, this is not right. You're not preaching truth. But yet that's what God has called him to do in that very instance. You can walk into some of the churches that do not preach truth, that preach everything but the truth, where they've got people up here that have, should not be preaching, should not be singing. They should be sitting there learning and, and understanding and changing. Their lifestyles are not according to God's will, but yet people walk in and say, oh, isn't that nice? No, it's not nice. And Christians need to rise up and be bold and say, that's not of the word of God. And that's what Gideon did. And people followed. Because I'll tell you what, when the truth comes out, people love the truth. Amen? Amen. They love the truth. 
Satan's got his playbook, and it's full of trash. It's full of all kinds of things. But God's truth always holds clear and steady. Go ahead, please. When a people group, and I wrote this the other day, I, this is one of the things I just loved, I'm going to pound on a little bit. When a people group, in other words, a nation, or Israel, a church, a family, or a nation like the United States, when a people group loses their common ground, and see, I, I call God's word the common ground. Because see, when this country was formed, it was formed in this right here. You don't let the secular, secular people try to tell you it wasn't. It was formed under the word of God. They taught school from the Bible, the King James Version. The United States Congress bought the Bibles and passed them out to the schools throughout the country. Go check your history. That's what it was. Even the people that didn't follow God had respect for God and God's people. And so if you don't have something that's common ground, something you could say, we all agree, or at least we're all going to understand that this is God's word. I may not understand it all, may not even like it all, but I'll agree that that is God's truth, that this is the common ground that we stand on, that no matter what takes place, we can all go back to this and say, this is it. Well, in our world today, this isn't it anymore. We've lost the common ground. We've lost truth. We've lost the, the understanding of who God is. We've replaced it with the God of self, the little g of God of self, and whatever God, my little g, wants is what it is. So we've lost it. And you can look at it and say, well, there's no way it's coming back. You're not going to put prayer back in school. Well, yeah, you are. There's some southern states doing it right now. Amen. Yeah, you are. You just got to stand up. You got to be bold. You just got to stand up and you got to say, I'm not looking at the insurmountable things. I'm looking at the God that can change the things. My attitude needs to change. I need to reset my thinking. And so what I wrote here was, was when people, a group or less, and their common ground lose the holy word, they have set their demise in place. And I put the end when I sent it out. It's the end. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And you can look at our nation and say, my goodness. And especially older people, we can look at it and say, oh, I can't believe what's going on. I can't believe what's going on. Maybe God's just looking for a few people to be bold, to step up. And when you hear people mocking God, maybe that's the time to step in. You say, well, I can't do that. Well, why not? Why not? I can remember not too long ago, I heard a person in, in the job site, and I work construction, and boy, they're just cussing their head off. And I finally, I said, oh, man, I'm not listening no more. I walked in, I looked up that young guy, and I said, listen. I said, it don't take much of a man to say the words that you're saying. It just doesn't take much of a man to say those things. And I talked to him a little about God. You know what? He respected that. He apologized over and over again. They could have pounced me in the head. But I still believe my God. And sometimes you just get fed up with it, you know? And maybe when you get fed up with it, maybe it's time to say, listen, why do you have to talk like that? Why, why are you thinking like that? There's the God's word. I mean, maybe God's just waiting for us to introduce God's word to the world again. 
You know what? Most people would be shocked at what's in here. They would be shocked to know that the, 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 some of the things we have set up in this world, in the governments, in the courts, are come out right out of here. They would be shocked to know these things. Eyewitnesses, two eyewitnesses, comes right out of the Bible. They'd be shocked to know these things. I think it's time to do that. I really do. He said, well, my job might. Don't worry about your job. I think God's got that covered, doesn't he? Doesn't he have all things covered? Yeah. See, now, if I want to be somebody like Gideon, my goodness, I, I don't know. John 300 and 135,000? See, it's not, my, it's not Gideon's plan. It wasn't my plan. It's going to be God's plan. Amen? That's the difference. My attitude has to be towards God's plan, not Paul's negativity, but God's plan. All I have to do is step in the pathway, step up there and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute, there's a common ground in this world, and that common ground is God. You may not believe this or that and the other, but we still have to find some kind of common ground, some kind of common truth, and it's God's word. It's the only truth we have. And if we don't have that, we have chaos. We have anything you want, and that's where we're at. If the Christians would stand up and be bold and trust God, you say, well, it may take my job. Gideon was risking his life. And many other people, aren't we called to do the same? Are we called to be like that? We need to start. They have set their demise in place. However, now listen here. However, those who have ears, ears that hear the word of God, amen? amen. Now that man there that I talked to about his, about his vulgar mouth, he had ears to hear what I was saying. He apologized. He respected it. And when I get on a job site, most people know that I'm a pastor. Most people know those things. And you know what? They respect that. It's like, so that gives me a great hope. Although these men may, may talk filthy, they may act dirty, they still respect this common ground that we go by. There's still hope, amen? And I'm talking about construction, people. There's still hope. And you'll be amazed at the ones that will come out and talk to you about God. You'll be amazed at the ones that sneak around the corner and want to talk to you about something going on in their life. You'll be amazed of how God will use you. Sometimes you just got to be bold. It's easy to stand with the man that wants to curse because everybody else is cursing. It's easy to stand. You can just stand there, nod your head, not say a word, go along to get along. What kind of life is that when you don't stand for anything? What kind of life is that? What kind of Christian are we? We're supposed to stand on the word of God and the truth of God and give it out. Gideon went way beyond most of us today. You know what? Those 300 men with him, they had the trumpets and the pitchers to make noise, to scare the people. They were just going to scare them. Because God was going to do the rest. It took a lot of faith and trust for them. See, Gideon wasn't alone, was he? He wasn't alone. There was 300 men with him. He wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. And you're not alone. But sometimes it takes that one person with faith and boldness to bring other ones along. If you have ears to hear... 
However, those who have ears that will hear and hear God and eyes that will see God will have reset hearts to know God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to talk about this for a few minutes about this reset. Because see, a lot of Christians, I'm going to tell you, you need a reset. He said, what are you talking about? Go ahead, John, we'll get into this. To reset, to reset our thoughts, our ideas, our, 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 our really what we believe about God. Is it time to reset your thoughts? Go ahead, John. From negative to positive. Okay, so if everything is insurmountable, then I automatically think, boy, it's the, the, if, you're, if you think everything is insurmountable, that your whole life is just a complete mess, it never can be fixed, then you're completely way away from God. You just are. Because it's not if you have God in your life. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you just need to reset your thoughts, your pattern, your understanding of God. Because that's not the God I know about. That's not, the, that's not the Christ I know about. I can tell you when he got in the garden of Gethsemane that night and he was praying to the Lord and the tears were blowing down like, like blood. He could have looked at that and said, everything is insurmountable. These people are not worth it. I'm walking out of here. Better yet, I'm flying out of here. He did, did he? Because he knew his father. And he knew what was going to take place. He even knew the man that I was talking to that cursed his name the other day. He even knew that. He still died for him. He still loves him. We need to reset our mind. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now Gideon just kind of complained a little bit to God about why didn't God work with them and why hasn't God, why has God forsaken them? You know, and God reminds them, he says, I didn't I pull you out of Egypt? I brought you out of Egypt like we're talking about in Exodus now. I pulled you out. Did, don't you remember the God stories of your past? Don't you remember the things that I've done for you? No, well, what's happened is you have separated yourself from me. And so, therefore, your, your mind thinks that way. But that's not God. And God looks at him and he doesn't get into Gideon's drama or Gideon's past. He just looks at Gideon and says, this is who you can be if you follow me. Let's read it again. He says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, is that encouragement from God? Now, if you would just go back and read what Gideon was just saying, you wouldn't think he was a mighty man of valor, but God knows what Gideon is and what Gideon's going to be. Amen? He knows and he's encouraging Gideon. You're going to need all the encouragement you can get because what I'm going to have you do is going to change Israel. And he does. Go ahead. Judges 16, 13, 40, it says, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And this is the complaints I was telling him about. He said, if the Lord was with us, why had all this happened to us? And we look at that, and that's looking at, that's becoming that, that victim mindset that Satan just, he's got it all in his playbook here. It's becoming chained up to this victim mindset that Satan wants you to have. So if you're always a victim, right? I preach on this many times. If you're always a victim, how are you ever going to see God? I mean, the biggest victim in the world was Jesus Christ, wasn't he? But do you think he called himself the victim? No, he called himself the Savior. Amen. He saved us from Satan's playbook. And you got to stay away from this and understand what it looks like. And Gideon was right in the middle of it. And he says, 
Oh my Lord, the Lord is with us. Why then has all this happened to us? Why were our, why were our, why were our, all his miracles, where were all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us through the hands of the Mennonites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Mennonites. Have I not? Everybody say I don't, when I look up there in those verses up there in 13, I don't see a lot of might, do you? But God did. God did. God knew that, that Gideon's mind had to be reset. He had to think different about who God is in his life. And that's all getting ready to take place. And the first thing is boldness. The first thing is to go forward, be obedient to God in boldness, and then watch God work through that. Watch him work. If you've got ears and eyes, then watch him work. The most biggest, that's wrong way you say that, the, the, the biggest blessings I've ever had from God, and I have lots of blessings from God, lots of God stories, is when God asks me to do something I don't want to do. You got me? When I, I don't want to do it. But yet my heart is twisted and turned so much I find out that I really don't have a choice to do it because I got to go home and lay down and try to go to sleep. And guess what? I'm not going to sleep. All I'm going to hear is, why didn't you do it? When are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? You're going to do it. And so you've got to do it. You've got to do it. Sometimes you have to face other Christians and, and, and with things that are wrong or things that are upset. You have to do it. They become your God stories. I've talked about God. I, couldn't, I need to write a book on God stories. They're becoming your God stories. Now, we got George Smelter, they had to leave right after Sunday school, but I'm going to show you something here. He had an uncle that died in World War II in Guam. It was 70 years ago. And he sent me this. Uh, you got that, John? If walls... It's got to be something I really like. Good talk. I love that picture. They'd say a it's lot. A picture with Jesus. About Tokali Sassaman. Seven pictures. And he always got little children. That lot taking the place of a picture of the Lord's Prayer. And I got tired like I do and I changed. Took it down and I thought, well, it's too, you can't throw away the Lord's Prayer. Retiring the copy instead to her trunk. Where I had lots of pictures. Last week, she was thumbing through it. Found the Our Father. Just as I picked it up, I banged it on the edge and it busted the glass. From the broken frame, a complete surprise. A Purple Heart document from this Harry Smelter. A U.S. Marine. He was a World War II veteran, and he got killed in, in Guam. Tokali's husband, Gerald, searched the web for the fallen sergeant. Smelter. Learned he was local. I believe he was from either Wakarusa or Napanee and found Sergeant Smelter's family. This is all within a matter of hours. George Smelter. That's his nephew, the one that's looking for him. So Gerald. I wrote him May 18th. With the good news about Uncle Harry's Purple Heart. It was behind a picture that she picked up at the garage sale many years ago. As you can guess. It's gotta be returned to whoever it belongs to. Sergeant Smelter's nephew, George. You deserve this, cause it's coming home. He's coming home. Brought back to life. From a bargain. It was only 50 cents. That broke. God told you to buy that prayer. Now God's showing you more. Yeah. And there's a reason for this. So Harry can rest in peace. 
Now, if you're curious why you didn't see a copy of that R5. Isn't that amazing? That's a God story, isn't it? This is something 70 years in the making. 70 years in the making. From a yard sale to a broken glass. And George was happy to look for his, been looking for his uncle where he was buried. He didn't know much about his uncle. And he was on the website trying to figure that out. And that's how this came about. You know, and, and George, before he left this morning, he says, I've already sent this lady some scripture. I don't know where God's taking this, but the lady thinks there's going to be more. So we don't know what the future holds, do we? Yeah. But see, those are those, those are those God stories that God wants you to collect in your life. And they become part of your life. And one of the things we have to understand is that Gideon was complaining a lot, but also God, the angel of the Lord, was going to remind Gideon what he had done. Now, in our God stories, I'm telling you, if you'll hang on to your God stories, your God stories can reset your pattern, reset your thoughts. Because God had done these things in my life. He has worked these ways in my life. Guess what? God hasn't changed. It's only me that has changed. What am I doing where I'm not seeing God work in my life? Why isn't my mind thinking about God instead of the insurmountable things that are taking place in my life? There's a reason for it. There's something going on. And God is wanting to work with you to reset everything about your mindset to go where he's going. Amen? He, you've got to hang on to your God stories. You need to write them down. And you need to go back to them. I remember a lady one time, I was coming home probably 15 years ago. I was on an airplane coming home from Boston, Massachusetts. And I was being rooted down to South Carolina from Boston, Massachusetts, come to Indiana. And it was this lady, a, a beautiful colored lady, and she was sitting beside me. And, and, and all, th all through the time, all I could do was talk to her about God stories. And she was a Christian lady. And she was a professional. She was so involved with my God stories. And you know what? I'll never forget that. I'll never forget how she was helped. We prayed together. And before she got off that plane, she said, I'm not ever going to forget this few hours I just spent. I haven't either. They're my God stories. Amen. God wants you to share because, see, that lady was having marital problems. She was having other problems. She was going to be transferring from one state to another. And she needed that encouragement. I didn't know her from Adam, but she needed that encouragement. Now, guess what? I had to be bold, eh? Right? But God was going to use this. You say, well, that's just a simple little thing. No, it wasn't. I still remember it after about 15 years. Sometimes the God stories that God gives us are just for one person. But isn't that one person the one that God died for too? Isn't that? See, sometimes it's, it's for just that one person, that one moment. And God wants to use you. And you that have ears to hear and eyes to see, you know God. And God wants to use you in bold ways. And you don't have to look at the insurmountable things around you. Because you can go back to God's word and say, if God did that for Gideon, then he's willing to do it for me. He's willing to do it for me. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this all happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midnight. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the land of the Midnight. What was his might? His might was he remembered all the bad things. He remembered all the things that were wrong. And God says, what if you remember all the things that are good? All the good God stories. What if you 
remember all those things and quit thinking about all the negative things. Go ahead, John. So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? How can I save Israel? How can I save? How can I, how can I help people? How can I save anything? My, everything seems to be a mess. It seems to be insurmountable. How's this going to work? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Mennonites and ate, and the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you out from Egypt, brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in those lands you dwell, but you have not obeyed what? My voice. Who saved you? Jesus Christ. How did he save you? Through the blood of that cross, amen? The blood, through his blood on that cross. He saved you. He saved you. Sometimes we need to go back and rethink that, don't we? We need to go back and, and grab a hold of that again. If he saved you from that, and he's done all the miracles and all the things he's done, why can't you trust him? Why can't you believe that he's going to do something powerful in your life? So I don't believe God just works in a few people's lives. I believe he works in every Christian's life. It's just, will we let him or not? Go ahead, John. And the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you and you shall, whatever. You shall what? Let's put the own words there. You shall succeed. Amen? You shall become the women and children of God. Allow your God stories from your past to reset your thoughts for God stories of your future. How many got God stories? And Nancy, I know you got God. You got lots of God stories. How many of you just love your God stories? I mean, you just love them. I mean, you just love them. And some of you got God stories, you don't even know you got them. Now, once you reset your mind thoughts and your thoughts, God will bring those remembrance back to you. He will. You'll, say, you'll go back and you'll look at something and say, I didn't really realize that was a God story. Now I see it clearly. I see it clearly. Allow, go ahead. And, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Got to cry out to the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's the first step. Got to cry out to the Lord. Are you being the Christian God wants you to be? Are you being bold? Are you in Satan's playbook way too much? Are you, you playing around with Satan way too much? You, he's got his playbook open. Huh? Finances. That'll do it. Divorce. That'll really get them kids. Yeah. Bad grades in school. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. Drama, drama, drama. Gossip, gossip, gossip. Uh-huh. Playbook. <laughs> Isn't it funny how much we get into Satan's playbook? I think more people get in Satan's playbook than we get in God's book. Amen. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Mennonites, because of the situations in their life, amen, I'm, I'm glad sometimes I get situations in my life where I can go back and reset some things, that I can trust God. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you out from Egypt, brought you, he says it again, he keeps repeating himself. And we'll go down at the bottom, it says, whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Go ahead, please. Here's a 21-day, you got the recess things on there, John? We're really, it's not right today. 
Huh? Yeah. Is, is it time to reset your thoughts? From there on down, from negative to positive, you got it. Yeah, just give me the negative part of this thing real quick. Those three, those three points. Never mind, God, I'll get it here. Huh? Okay. Let me get this for you. From negative to positive, that's the mindset. That's the, that's the thought pattern. How many of you got, when you think of something, it's negative? Come on, be honest. When you automatically think of something, it's just like, I think the worst of it. That's that insurmountable thing. No, but I don't need that one. You're never that way? Okay. Well, a lot of people are. And we need to go from, we need to not go there. And next thing is, from what you think about to what God thinks about. You need to quit thinking about what you're thinking about, but try to turn your thought pattern, your, your, your reset into what God's thinking about. God's thinking about something totally different than what you're thinking about. You're thinking about how's God going to do it. God's thinking, I can do this. And he's shown Gideon many times. From doubt and distrust to faith and belief. From doubt and distrust to faith and belief. That's going to reset what God wants to do in your life. Now go ahead, John. I have a prescription for you. It's 21 days. 21 days sets a pattern. Three times daily. You know, you get your prescription. It's three, you know, once, twice, three times. Three times daily. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. You got that up there? Philippians 4, 6 through 8, John? Three times daily, morning, noon, and night. It's your prescription to reset what God wants to do in your life, to reset your thought pattern. You say, well, I don't need it. Yeah, you do. You can always use this encouragement to reset. It goes like this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, that right there, that's how you always start your prayer right there. You're thankful. Be anxious for nothing. Be thankful to God. Supplication, tell, tell God what you're looking for. And, and supplication with thanksgiving, and let your requests be made known to God. Tell God. Ask God. You start, you start that out. You start that out in your prayer life. You start that out. And you keep on reading, it says in verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. How's the peace of God surpass? All understanding, right? Now, if you want to reset your life, if you want to think that nothing of this insurmountable world we live in is not an insurmountable world, then you're going to have to have some peace. Amen? Amen. You're going to have to have some peace, or without peace, everything is insurmountable. So you've got to have some peace. So verse 7 again. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your what? Heart, will guard hearts and what? Okay. And through, and through who? Christ Jesus. So we've got some pretty powerful things going on here. And I'm telling you, if you'll do these things 21 days, three times a day, your pattern in life, your, your thoughts, you're going to reset some things. Maybe we'll get some boldness out of this. Amen? Amen? And I'll tell you what, if you'll pay attention, you're going to get some God stories out of this. Because as this starts to change your, your thought pattern and everything about you, 
God starts to move, starts to work, starts to bring God's stories to your life. And you know, I'll tell you what, if you're praying in a parking lot for a close parking spot, don't underestimate God. Amen. Don't underestimate God. Why are you saying, well, that just happened for? I was with Brent yesterday. We was going down to the hospital. We pulled up a place real close. And I said, well, that's just God. Yep. What? What? You said, well, that God's, not in, God's not concerned with those things. I think God's concerned with everything. The colors of your walls, he's concerned with everything about your life. We just don't want God to be concerned with our lives. You've got to reverse that. Amen? Amen? He is concerned. He is concerned with you. In verse 8, finally, brethren... Whatever things are true. What are, what are things that are true? God's word's truth, amen? So whatever things filter through God's words that are true. Not things that are false, things that are negative, things that want you to go on defense, but things that are true. You hold close to those things, amen? amen. The other things are just trying to get you into Satan's playbook. Satan's a manipulator, deceiver. Finally, brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, noble, righteousness, things that are right. You know what we, we lack? Shame, right? This world lacks shame. It lacks morals. Well, maybe we ought to hang on to what's noble. Maybe we ought to go back to these things to help reset our mindset about God. Whatever things are pure, and what are things that are pure is according to God's word again. Whatever things are lovely. What's lovely? Go back to God's word again. You know, what's lovely? Figure out what lovely is. That's, that's a good study between you and God. Whatever is lovely. Whatever things are of good report. Now, I'm going to tell you, you could spend the next 21 days on these three verses taking them apart. I'm not just saying... When a doctor prescribes a pill for you, what does that pill do? It cures you, right? I can give you three verses, but if all you do is read them as fast as you can read them, mm -mm. take time with them. Take time with every phrase, every word. You pray over it. You ask God, what do you want me to learn about the word lovely? And you spend time on that word. And watch God work. You think, well, Paul, that's, that's nuts. Nobody's got time for that. Yeah, that's the problem with the world. Nobody seems to have time for God anymore. But Christians are supposed to spend time with God. Amen? If you want God to work, then let him work. But you're going to have to spend time with him. Medicine doesn't work because it's a pill. It has to get into your system, doesn't it? It has to get into your blood system. It has to get into you, and, and, and then it takes some time for that medicine to cure what's going on in your life. Some time. But if you want cured, you keep taking it, don't you? Yeah. Amen? Amen? You listen to the doctor and you take it. Finally, brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So whatever you find out about lovely and and good, and good report, and these things, if there's any virtue in it, if there's any good in it, then meditate on it. 
I'm going to tell you, once you start to break these things down, God's going to use them. He's going to bring God's stories to you. Those are the things you hang on to. Those are the things you go back and reset your life when Satan wants to come in with his play toys and try to destroy your life. Gideon ended up defeating 135,000 men with 300. You know how he did it? God turned the people on themselves. And they, and they killed 120,000 of them were killed just like that by themselves. They fought against each other. 15,000 took off and Gideon and 300 took off after them. They got the kings, they got the princes, and they killed them. They destroyed them. Because God was with them. Amen? You say, well, why does God kill so many people? They belong to Satan. They were trying to destroy God's people, just like today. Of course, we don't do that anymore. We live under grace these days. God says fight, we fight. But we live under grace. We try to save people. Amen? We try to save them today. Let's stand. Go ahead, John, that last principle. Reset your thoughts so that what seems insurmountable become the God stories of your life. Amen? Reset your thoughts. Who remembers, the, who remembers what book? Philippians. Who remembers what chapter? Four. Who remembers the verses? Who remembers what book? Who remembers what chapter? Who remembers what verses? One more time. Who remembers what book? What chapter? What verses? Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come before you today, Lord, and we, we, we close out today, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the things that seem insurmountable in our lives. And I say it that way, Lord, because those things turn us closer to you. As we give over the thoughts and the, the ways we might think about you and our attitude towards you, we understand that nothing's insurmountable with you. And Lord, that you're just asking us to step out, be bold for the glory of God. And it's your name I pray. Amen. If you belong to Jesus Christ, we only have two tables set up today, but if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables. If you need to pray over these reset things in your life, you, if you, the ones that are thinking that you don't need it, you're probably the ones that need it the most. Go with God, will you? Be bold out there. You say, well, I've already messed up my, my witness with people on the job site. So what? Start tomorrow. <laughs> Start tomorrow. You walk up and say, hey, I, I'm a man of God, or I'm a woman of God, and I know the things I've said in the past are, are not right. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. And if your coworker could hold you accountable, they'll probably make fun of you a little bit. But they'll sure tell you when you cuss or when you do something wrong. See, living for God is totally different than living for the world, isn't it? It just is. It just is. So you have to make your own choice. Am I a child of God or am I tucked in the folders of Satan's playbook? Come and enjoy the Lord today.